0: Listen, I did film and television studies at university for three years. I spent hours reading countless books and articles on subjects spanning from film all the way to television. Not a single one mentioned Hugh Grant once. I
1: achieved the hardest qualification across any university or college ever, a 2-1 in history. Let me tell you, the only thing that I learned was that we, as a society, have a history of denying and neglecting Hugh Grant's artistic and cultural relevance, not just in
0: this country, but in the entire world. I met Oscar at a Hugh Grant-themed event I put on at the Students' Union. It felt as
1: though Diggory and I were the only ones there. And we agreed that there was a Hugh Grant shaped hole in academia. We decided to put it about ourselves. We want to show people that he's an icon in acting. We want to show people he's more than just a bumbling posh guy. I'm Diggory Waite. And I'm Oscar More Gray. And, and this, this
0: is... is... Taking Hugh for granted. Hello and welcome to Taking Hugh for Granted, the podcast in which two Hugh Grant enthusiasts watch every single film starring Hugh Grant in the attempt to answer the simple question, is this film Taking Hugh for Granted? Is this film good on its own or does it rely on the bumbling Brit for its acclaim? I'm Diggory Waite and I'm joined as always by my colleague and fellow Hugh Grant obsessive, Oscar Beardmore Gray. Oscar, how the bloody hell are you doing today, mate?
1: Hello Diggory, I'm doing very well.
0: How are you? I'm great, I'm great. It's good to be back it I is can't... good to be back it really yeah.
1: has actually been a long time this time it has
0: it has i haven't i actually haven't run the numbers or checked anything but it's been a while because especially since we've done like a proper like deep dive into one of his films because what we just keep doing hugh's news is which is obviously very important people want to be kept abreast of what's going on with hugh grant um but it's good to be back actually reviewing a film uh yeah
1: talking of hugh's news Diggs, did you did you see that hugh was on the on the red carpet last night for
0: a very special dinner oh no i didn't see this what what was this Diggs? have you been under a rock no i was trying i don't know why i was was trying to be coy then obviously i know about this (laughs) i was trying to be like oh go on oscar do tell but obviously you know this is the one in france right yes this is the one yeah yeah yeah, i was actually for a moment a little worried that you weren't <laughs> up to date with the news. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So wait, so tell me, but do explain to me like and, and people at home, like what what was the deal with that? Cuz all sorts of people were there, some some like big names. Well, yeah, I didn't really understand it either. So King Charles and
1: Queen Camilla uh, were on a state visit to France. Mm-hmm. So uh President Macron and his wife were there welcoming welcoming them and they had a big gala dinner, you know, they uh all the bells and whistles came out. For some reason, there were a bunch of celebrity guests invited, including Mick Jagger um, wow. and Hugh Grant. Yeah. That's why. Bizarre. I, I just have this image in my head. As soon as I as soon as I heard that Hugh Grant was there, I my brain went straight to Hugh Grant and Travaux speaking French. Yes. And just yes. wondering whether he was like <laughs> You know, whipping out his 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 pretty poor French, I would imagine. Um, yeah. I mean, King Charles certainly did. Did he? I didn't see that. Did it, was he? Was he trying to speak some some French? He, he did a little a little speech. It was oh Well, I mean, I can't judge. I am very poor French, but it it didn't mm. seem the best. It was sort of Queen Kings or Queens English in yeah. French accent, as you can imagine, S- sounds
0: not great. Not great. It probably sounds like if you want to hear some of my French, I got a D in French at GCSC. If you want to hear that, you can listen to our episode The Bengali Night. Um where I bring <laughs> well, some of that out. Yeah, the <laughs> Bengali Night. Well, the reason I know that, Oscar, is because I have to be honest, um, it's gonna sound up 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 myself or up ourselves. I've been listening back to all of our episodes because we've got a very exciting thing coming up, which I feel like we've talked about a lot, and I've promised mm. it's coming up a lot, but now it is actually happening. Oscar and I Obviously, we've done it. We've watched every single film starring Hugh Grant. Um, and it's time now to answer the simple question. Which one's the best? Today, we're going to talk about... We're going to do a deep dive into Operation Fortune. Ruse to gear. But we are, in a few weeks, going to start putting out episodes, ranking all his 50 films from 50th to 1st. So, I mean, I I, I'm, I literally can't wait. And so, I've just been like listening back to some of our episodes just to remind myself, what did I actually think about this film? And it's been... It's been a lot of fun, but also I've just, it's just reminded me how many great Hugh Grant films there are.
1: <laughs> <laughs> i the opposite. It's reminding me how many bad ones
0: there are. <laughs> oh, yeah. but, but when uh, they've got Hugh in it, you know. Yeah. I
1: mean, in all seriousness, we'll talk about it more next week. But, uh, you know, you know, it's, it, I've actually been watching a few um, YouTube videos of Hugh over the last couple of days to do with Operation Risk Gun. You know, the, the question is always thrown out. Do you enjoy watching your former films? and you know he's mostly he was like no i you know it's terrible i hate it Or most actors are like that too and mm-hmm. you know i'm not comparing myself to hugh grant but i also feel that <laughs> when i had this mental block about listening back to any of our episodes i was like oh just i think it was bad or i don't want to listen to myself and then i went back and listened to some of them and i was like this is actually pretty funny. Diggory is very funny, at least.
0: No, we're, we're both funny. We're both funny. Oh, my God. Some of the, like, you know, the little songs and stuff we do are so funny. There's a great one. Your song, some of your stuff in music and lyrics, that episode, you do a <laughs> song in that. But then also, is it that one or another one where you, like, ring up Hugh and you're, like, come on the pod? And he's like, no. And you've got like, it. They're great. These little things come up. And I'm listening to him. I'm being like, this is a bloody good podcast. Why is he coming on for an interview? It's so
1: fun. Hi. Egg. Yeah, what a is shame. great, but yeah, that that is very exciting, and we'll be starting recording that next week. So, yeah, you know, be ready for for five or six episodes reviewing all of his best films, and it, you know, it will be interesting to see which ones come up on top.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, it's going to be very very interesting. As I say, when we get that, we'll tell you all about our ranking system and how all that works, because I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And to be honest, I think we're gonna. We'll probably disagree on some things. Um, some A lot of things we'll probably agree on as well. It'll be so fascinating to see what comes out, number one. Oh, I can't wait. A- anyway, I'm not the only one who's been listening back to some of our old episodes. We actually, I just want to give a quick shout out to some of our new listeners. We are still getting new listeners. They do happen. Um, praise, if you're listening, praise, uh, it came It came through the ether to me that a lovely lady called Praise is listening through to the podcast. I just want to say, and they're, they're loving it. They're enjoying it. And so thank you so much to you and a big shout out to you and a big shout out to all of you listening who are still here. We started this podcast, you know, <laughs> literally years ago. Um, <laughs> That's and... four years ago now. It's oh, crazy. my God. That is mad. That is mad. And so, yeah, I, I, it's, it's still a lot of fun. Right then. Operation Fortune, Rose de Guerre. I can't wait to say this next bit. Synopsis Simon, take it away. Yes. Operation Fortune, Rose de Guerre, directed by Guy Ritchie and released in 2023. Special Agent Orson Fortune, played by Jason Statham and his team of operatives, must track down a deadly new AI technology that's currently for sale. In order to get to the device, they recruit one of Hollywood's biggest movie stars, Danny Francesco, played by Josh Hartnett, and convince him to go undercover to get information from the film-obsessed arms dealer, Greg Simmons, played by Hugh Grant. Wonderful stuff from Synopsis Simon there. Um, Oscar, I guess we have to start where where we always do. Hugh Grant um, in this film, who is he? Who does he play? What does he sound like? What does he look like? What are your thoughts? Hugh plays a, a guy called Greg Simmons, who is, let's let's
1: let's be honest, he's an evil bloke. He's got far yeah. too much money. He's a billionaire. He's an arms dealer. Mm. And he sort of plays a very similar character in some ways to his character in The Gentleman.
0: There they are, my new best friends. Osh as we say in Turkey.
1: Mm. Thank you for the jet.
0: I oh, don't be silly. That's the baby one, Danny Francesco. It's good to see you, Greg. Excited to be here. Learn from the master. Oh, no, I'm not the master. <laughs> now, before we do anything else, follow me because I have something to show you.
1: Grab a drink on the way. So if you've seen The Gentleman, another Guy Ritchie film, Hugh is playing, I guess, like a wheeler dealer journalist in this one. The difference being this time that he's like a rich tycoon, but he's got mm. that like London accent cockney thing going on and, you know he's good at it but yeah. it is if you've seen the two films side by side you are kind of like this is a carbon copy of the two yes um, in terms of his look he's sort of got this like i guess like a rich look isn't he he's, he he seems to be <laughs> wearing clothes that don't look
0: extor- extraordinarily expensive but you know that they are yes <laughs> i know exactly the type yeah yeah it's like the cream colored trousers and the silkish, unbuttoned, greenish shirt is kind of yes—and the kind of like
1: you know, gold chain that looks a mm. bit tacky, but you know, probably costs hundreds of thousands
0: of pounds. Exactly, exactly. So then, if you were to say, because like you, said, I just want to pick up on your point there, what you just said. He does look like he even looks like the guy from the gentleman. It's the, those sort of like orangey glasses that he wears, the big like red ones. They sound the same. They like you say that that S V accent. It's like ah, oh, you know, sleazy kind of thing that he's doing. It's um, <laughs> actually a pretty good impression. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't bad, was it? Um, and yeah, and I find that interesting because you know I don't mind when people sort of reprise similar-ish roles, but it, it does. I just found maybe and maybe we're getting into it already. I found it a little bit. I don't know. Now that we saw it in The Gentleman, it worked so well in there. When, in this, I was just a bit like, I kind of want to see something new. You know, mm. it didn't feel too new. How, how did you feel about it? Well, I mean, you could say that for the whole film digs, really.
1: Like, it's not just Hugh Grant. Um, have we watched this movie a hundred other times? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's not a lot that's original about it. So... Yeah, it did feel like that a bit. I mean, I per, I mean, we are getting straight into it here. Yeah, but, get into it. Um, yeah, you know, I I think that actually Hugh is not bad in this film. I think yeah, no. I think he he's sort of the comic saving grace in this film. He he brings the he brings a silliness, he brings a sort of campness in some ways uh to to, you know, I guess offset Jason Statham who is Jason Statham. Shooting yeah. people and killing people, uh, but you know the film, and we've talked about it this extensively on the pod, was sort of a bit of a mess from start to finish. So mm. just for context, I mean, we, I mean, we haven't apologized yet for the fact that we're releasing this episode like six months <laughs> after its released but we couldn't be blamed for the fact that this film was released literally like a year or something after it was meant to be. Uh, mm. Obviously covid there were extenuating circumstances but the film was pushed back and you know then it was going to be um in the cinema and then they said it wasn't going to be in the cinema um then they said okay we have a date and then the russia-ukraine war started because there's a lot of ukrainians in it they pushed it back again Uh, and then eventually we sort of had this very sort of stuttery release where it was released in cinemas and theaters in the U.S., but then it wasn't elsewhere, and then it was only on certain streaming platforms. So, basically, whoever was in charge of, you know, the, the I guess the the post production or the, the the impact campaign of this film didn't do a great job.
0: No, no, like it, like you say, so stuttered, like the The website didn't even seem to know what was going on. Like you say, at some points it would say this is the release date. At other points, it would say it's coming soon. Suddenly, even though we just had a release date, it felt so bad. And I, I it's quite funny to think that the thing about the Ukraine thing, because that seemed to be a sort of rumor online. That, but it, it does make sense. The timelines match up. That this there was this big, the, obviously, the war in Ukraine. And you also had in this film, like you say, the Ukrainians as the baddies. And apparently that th- that's what delayed the film is they were trying to re-edit it and maybe even do some reshoots to try and make other people look like the baddies. So I guess, you know, I have to say, though, I couldn't really tell. But there was one moment where um, actually Hugh Grant's speaking and he's referring to two baddies in it. And it's funny because if they hadn't then been superimposed as the new baddies, they're very funny. You may recognize them. They're called, I believe, Trent and Arnold. Um, (laughs) (laughs) They are two of like the most nerdy looking. I think they're both British actors. One of them definitely is. He's in. um, Yeah, one of them's in um, People at Home Have Seen Friday Night Dinner, um, which is just like Channel 4 thing. Yeah. where you know a Jewish family get together on Friday night to have Friday night dinner, and it always ends in hilarity. Um, anyway, he's one of the guys from that, and but but. Also, what I found funny about obviously their name, we have to talk about it. There's there's three characters only ever referenced by their first names. One's called Trent, one's called Alexander, and one's called Arnold. <laughs> which <laughs> I you know I didn't I think, pick up on that. You didn't pick up on that, really? No, no. Oh, mate, it's just it's that's I straight away I was like Trent and Arnold. Absolutely not. For people that don't know, I'm sure a lot of people won't know. There's a there's a footballer out there, a very famous English footballer called Trent Alexander Arnold, who plays for Liverpool. And I think Guy Ritchie might even be a Liverpool fan. That would make is, sense. That would make sense. So anyway, but but I just think there, there was just one moment where I could, I was wearing my headphones when I watched it and I could just tell that Hugh Grant had, had to redo his line and, and say their names. Right. And I was thinking, I was like, was the ending supposed to be the Ukrainians are the baddies? And now we've just like sort of superimposed these two new vi- like villains in there. Um, actually, we should explain what they're trying to do. They they are, I think supposedly in this film, trying to... They want to buy a piece of AI that can infiltrate anything in the world and cover its own tracks, but like make anything do what it wants to through AI. Um, I guess very timely. Um, but I guess that's sort of where my problems with the film... You could start them there. I really found that whole thread completely stupid and 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 pointless um yeah but how did you how did you i guess maybe that's quite a big question but like the the thread that this film hangs on is that there's at, to be fair at first awesome fortune jason jason statham this incredible spy guy has to assemble a team to go and try and find that firstly find out what it is that's being sold and find out who it's being sold to the people, the governments, who are saying, can you go and do this? They don't even know what it is that people are selling or who it's being sold to. I don't really understand how you could actually create a military operation without being like, go and get something. What is it? We don't know. Who's it being sold to? We're not sure. Mm. What does that even... What I, do, I mean, already from the off, I was like, this doesn't feel realistic at all.
1: Well... I think it's a bit of an indictment on the film, Diggs, that by the end, I'd sort of forgotten what they were even trying to find. Yeah, (laughs) Which is never great. I think, actually, what... The the centre point of the film, really, and the thing that's most memorable, Mm. is the fact that in order to get to this piece of equipment, they have to go to Greg Simmons, Hugh Grant, and kind of woo him and seduce him into... Um, basically giving up the goods and telling them where this piece of, I guess, technology or weapon is. Yeah. And so they kind of play on Greg's ego because he's a massive fan of this actor called Danny Fra- Danny Francesco. He is a really self conscious and self conscious actor who doesn't think he's very good. Mm-hmm. And the comedy is that he ha- they have to sort of force him to be an actor and sort of act up to Hugh Grant and and win his trust, um, which because greg i guess loves um hugh or greg loves himself Mm. so much it's actually incredibly easy because you just basically sort of turn up and talk to him and suddenly you know he you're talking you got him in the palm of your hand
0: well you're listening to hugh Grant taking hugh for granted on the radio hugh Grant taking hugh for granted oh the podcast show When you said we've seen this film before, it is funny. Obviously, we're talking about The Gentleman. Um, Hugh Grant's character in The Gentleman loves film. And that's why he dresses the way he does and all that sort of stuff. And even at the end of the film, The Gentleman, um, Fletcher, Hugh Grant's character, you know, sells... It's all about writing a script, isn't it? And he's trying to to sell the script to the end of the film. In this film, spoiler alert... At the end of it, Hugh Grant sat in a director's chair and he's directing a film of exactly what's happened. Um, So, you know, it feels very similar in that way. But also I think we've seen this film before because this this is almost the exact narrative of a film called Team America. I don't know if you ever saw that. (laughs) Uh, a, A film made by the people who made South Park. Where they You love puppets. referencing Team America. <laughs> I feel like Team
1: America. Have, I, have, grew I, have up. I referenced it before? Yeah, you have, like three uh, or four times. But go ahead. Pro- I want to know what the point is.
0: <laughs> it's so funny because I think that's probably because I watched it loads when I was a kid. I think basically it was that film where my mum would come. If I, was, if I had a sleepover and I had someone over, my mum would always... Burst into the room because we'd probably be fighting or doing something stupid. And my mum would come in and come in and go, "Shut up! Sit down and watch Team America." Because it was <laughs> like, the one fifteen. Like that, mum was like, "Yeah, that'll do." Because it's just puppets. Um, so loads puppets of loads. Were very dark messages <laughs> yeah well it's, there's that long drawn out sex scene in it between two puppets I remember like my dad watching that and he's a man of a certain age and he laughed so hard we genuinely thought he was going to die and I'm not just saying that in like a funny way I we were really really worried he was like choking he really oh couldn't breathe and like I say he's got respiratory problems anyway we were seriously worried the only other time that ever happened was during Borat as well we thought he was gonna <laughs> we really thought we were gonna lose him anyway back. Where, where was I so um, Team America the, it's the same thing they find an actor they need him to pretend to be it's much more offensive in that film but you know pretend to be this pretend to be that and they use him to get into these situations to thwart the um, the terrorists in that film this feels very similar but I don't know about you I just found that this film had this real issue where it would just it would just say it was going to do something And just, I don't know how to explain it and just do it. And I'd just be there watching it, but going like, how did we get here? Every, between, even between every scene, there's these long, these drawn out conversations where the characters are explaining the plot to each other in such boring, long, drawn out ways. Basically, it's, this film is the worst culprit for telling, not showing. There is so much exposition in this film and they will just explain things to you and you just have to believe them and then they'll happen. Like, the the film starts and suddenly they just go, we an actor, and they just, suddenly they're in this actor's private jet and they've infiltrated his whole, his agent, his manager, his whole setup. All of that's off screen and you're just meant to believe it when you're watching it. You're just meant to believe that this has happened and this is all making sense. It just completely took me out of the film and I just found it, I just found it, not even confusing, I didn't find, but I didn't find it gripping. And then I just found it really boring. And it didn't, it meant that I could even really find it that funny because I was just, I was kind of pissed off. Mm. <laughs> I don't know I mean, if one, you found one, that. One, the One thing I would say about that is I think that is probably
1: uh, a result of Guy Ritchie's directing. So there aren't, there isn't that much press about this film because of the nature of its release but there are a few interviews with uh, with Aubrey Plaza and um, Jason Statham and Hugh and etc uh, talking about the process and Guy Ritchie is renowned for sort of being one of those directors who basically just puts people in a room and says do your thing you know there's, mm-hmm. here's the script on the morning of the, of, of, of the shoot you just rip it up and you know start all over I think yeah. that's great when it works when it doesn't work it just it doesn't work it just comes yeah. across as you know unprepared like not that funny um and Mm. you know while there were moments in this film as a as an entire uh project it just it just felt a little bit flat didn't it so i think that's what i would say maybe that is a reflection of um i don't want to say poor directing but maybe a lack of direction when it came to the directing
0: well i'm taking
1: One thing I did like about this film was Hugh's moments on screen with Josh Hartnett. I think mm, they mm, were good, and I, I we said this earlier about uh, this this actor, washed-up actor called Danny Francesco, who who basically um, you know meets Hugh on his yacht and they kind of have these funny moments together. I just think that uh, Josh Hartnett is is actually a guy to guy to watch. You know, he's he's he was in Oppenheimer. I don't know if you. Remember. Whoa,
0: that. whoa, whoa. I don't remember that shit. I need to yeah.
1: And he's also in Black Mirror recently. Yeah, yeah. Um, nice. So he's just I think he's one of those people who, who's who got quite a lot of talent and mm-hmm. and I think he's just one to watch.
0: <laughs> I just no, liked him. I think so. And also, like you were talking about earlier, some of the interviews you watched, and it seems like those two actually might... Got on. Yeah, I think they got on. I think they may have had a bit of chemistry. It's it's kind of... Hugh, with people in interviews, um, either absolutely roast them. I'm talking about <laughs> Colin Firth. I'm talking about Hugh Bonneville. Like, he will absolutely roast them. Um, or, and this is a bit a, a bit less so... Um, yeah, he, he'll he'll talk about you know being really into them, and and he was saying in one of the interviews that we watched, he was being like, oh yeah, you know, if the cameras had kept rolling, then um, our characters would have got together, and actually, I think the sequel of this film, you know, would be our characters having a great time, and so I think that's quite cute, it, it, and it felt like he had genuine, he really liked um, Josh, so uh, yeah, I, I I think that's always fun that we can add someone else to the to the good list rather than the yeah, bad no, list. That that was the impression I got that there there was a genuine
1: respect between the two of them and they got, to, got along together on set. One, one person I'm not sure Hugh necessarily did get, get along with his, is Jason Statham. You know, he's, yes. he's, very, he's very polite about him in an interview.
0: I had never done anything with Jason before. I didn't know him. Uh, and I've come to really admire him. Uh, he's a nice guy. He knows who he is and uh, knows what he likes and knows what he's good at. And he's really good at it. I've started watching little clips of his films when I have insomnia.
1: Hugh and Jason Statham, you couldn't get two different people, basically, when it comes to yeah. acting. Um, they're both, fair enough, they are, they've both got their, their thing going and they're both good at it. Um, mm-hmm. But you would, I have to say, it's not someone you would have thought those two actors would come together in a movie. So um, it, mm-hmm. would have been, it would have been fun to be a fly on the wall, um,
0: you know, behind the curtain for the, with those two, I think. Absolutely. I mean, I, I yeah, I completely agree. I think the nuance that you'll find in Hugh Grant's characters, you you just never find with Jason Statham's. And I wonder at some point, is is Jason Statham getting these characters because people like, he's typecast, or at some point, um, it, you know, is he actually asking for some of these things to happen? One of my gripes with the film, I'm so sorry, I must mention this last one, is that J, is is Jason Statham's character because at no point does he face any jeopardy. He's our main character awesome fortune he's this great spy he but there's no point where you know in like james bond or uh jason Bourne. um you know these guys they'll like have fights and scraps where they're actually at points you know they're scrapping with someone else it's like shit they they might die here like they're losing this fight and then just at the last minute something happens and they're they're all right that never happens in this film with awesome fortune literally never happens (laughs) there's one bit where he's chasing some bloke because he's trying to get this guy's phone it's, it's a, you know this chase is happening. The guy cleverly put puts his phone in someone else's pocket and pushes them off a a, a high building, or whatever. So then Jason Statham's tracking him down. He's like, where is he? Where is he? He's like, he's just there. He's he stood still. He's like, oh, he looks over the edge and goes, ah, oh, damn it, that person got away from me. And you think, wow, the baddie has thwarted Jason Statham. This is amazing. He's going to get away because he's put the phone in someone else's pocket and killed them. Brilliant. Two seconds later, behind Jason Statham, the guy who was he was, who was trying to escape from him runs up behind him, and Jason Statham throws him off the edge of the thing immediately and kills him. So the, the moment where you think, oh, our hero may have failed, just like that, he doesn't. Taking he for ground it.
1: Taking he for ground it.
0: Taking he for ground it. He for ground it. What did you think, lads? Were they taking he for ground it? All right, Oscar. um, Operation Fortune, Rose de Guerre. It's been a while. It really has. I feel like we've been talking about this for ages and finally we've been able to do it. Um, Do this episode and we're back. Um, What did you think? Were we taking you for granted? I think the answer is, Dave, that
1: we are taking you for granted. I don't think I dislike this film as much as you. Mm. I think there were some some good moments. Um, To be honest, I, I do... Just enjoy watching Hugh do his Estuary accent. I think it is quite funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, when you when you stack this one up against the three Guy Ritchie films now that Hugh's done, so you've got uh, The Man from Uncle, um, The Gentleman, and now Operation Fortune. It 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 just doesn't live up to expectation, does it? I don't think The Man from Uncle. I uh, when we did that film, I believe that we we came down as not taking Hugh for granted. Despite that not being the best film. Um, this just, this just feels like it hasn't moved the needle at all in terms of like the spy filler, thriller, um, Hugh Grant as the baddie kind of character. Um, mm. so yeah, the, you know, and I, to be honest, I think the the whole film, as I said earlier, was just a mess from start to finish. And when it's a bit like, you know, any organization, you, you can take a football club, for instance, when you've got people at the <laughs> top, you know, not leading from the front, um, there's stuff going on behind the scenes that is just, you know, causing problems. It all filters down onto the pitch, onto the set. So I, I, I do think there was a bit of that involved here. Like there was, you know, things being filmed retrospectively. Um, there was no um, organized press junkets or real release for this film. Um, and at the end of the day, the box office for this was pretty poor. They lost thirteen million dollars on this film. It was Mm. the budget was 50 million for this film. I mean, they had a really good cast, as we just mentioned, but they only made 37 million at the box office, probably because they didn't really have a release for it. Um, Yeah, there was very little advertising. If you spoke to people around the world, they probably won't even know this film came out. Mm. Um, So, that is a measure, really, of uh, where this lands in Hughes' uh, filmography. And sadly, it's one of the first films I think I'm going to say that he's made in the last decade that I didn't really like. And the fact that we haven't got around to doing an episode is also probably a reflection of our, our general feelings about the film. So for that reason, we are taking you for granted.
0: Oscar, take a bow, son. I loved that. That was <laughs> class. I, I, there's so many things in there that I'm like, you're just, you're just spot on. I mean, when you talk about moving the needle spy films or just like Guy Guy Ritchie and Hugh Grant together this does not move the needle I would argue, it doesn't move the needle at all I would argue it pulls the needle back I think this has done damage to the spy (laughs) film genre genuinely, I watched this and I was like what am I watching the AI stuff, the hacking all of that is so old the Jason Statham having a character that can just do whatever he wants and kill anyone and have nothing, no problems that is boring as well Hugh Grant and I'm not joking is the only saving grace of this film. Obviously, I'm going to say that, but it's true. He, like you say, we love watching his S reaction. We love watching his fun. But unfortunately, we've seen that in in the gentleman. And if I want to see that, I can go back and watch that again. I don't know if this added enough new for me. Um, like what you said before about you know problems from the top, I completely agree. And we all know you're talking about Chelsea Football Club, and maybe maybe <laughs> I was sim- had you thinking
1: about Man United. <laughs> That's oh, right.
0: Okay. <laughs> oh wow, well, well maybe we don't know what we're talking about, but um yeah, maybe Guy Ritchie needs to have a little think about, you know, about that and who he's who's who's around him and and yeah, really make yeah, digs make...
1: tell Guy Ritchie the world-famous director what he needs to do. <laughs> need to go and become his PA.
0: Well, to be honest, you know what? You are right. Like he's he's made a really good decision in sticking Everything he's got on Hugh Grant, um, so I reckon. Do you know what? Sorry, guy, continue. Um, you're doing a good job. You're doing a good job. So Wonderful.
1: I'm guessing it's you're not taking you're not taking Hugh for
0: granted. Oh no, I loved it. We're, we're not taking you for granted. Yeah, yeah. No, I fucking I actually fucking hated this film. Sorry, I do not know if that was clear. <laughs> I think this is probably one of the worst films I've ever seen. I'm not joking. I wow. hated this film so wow. much. I really, really hated it. I'm not just saying that. I really hated this film. Um, I cannot wait to rank it when we do our um, Every Hugo Art Film Ranked, because I am going to tank this thing really <laughs> quite low. Um, we'll you know talk about it. it.
1: Oh, go you on. know what it is? If It, it, it sort of felt like a, a bit of a fantasy project, didn't it, for, for Guy Ritchie? And if it wasn't for the fact that Guy Ritchie, you know, works with some of the best cinematographers in the business, has these incredible budgets and lavish sets where everyone's sort of glitzy you got jason statement with his guns mm. punching and killing people if you didn't have that and you take you strip that all away it's really not very good is it so no. um i think that you know the casual watcher if you just saw this i don't know behind someone's head on an airplane you might watch it and think oh you know that that mm. looks interesting but mm-hmm. the substance is just not there so Diggs, i'm not going to come quite as hard down as you but I'm looking forward to putting this in, in the list for the retrospective because we could have a bit of a disagreement, maybe. Um, it would be mm. interesting to see how far down it goes. Hopefully, not as far down as Sense and Sensibility, but we'll see.
0: Oh, I don't believe that for a second. <laughs> right, right, Hugh Grant fam, get him. Get him. <laughs> you bastard. Wonderful. Oh my god, I can't wait. Okay. Um, thank you so much everyone for listening. Like I say, make sure you're subscribed and you're following us wherever you're listening to this now. We're at taking you on Twitter, we're at taking you for granted on Instagram and Facebook. Um, you can follow us on YouTube yes. now as well. We're at taking you for granted on YouTube. Um, so please guys do get involved. Let us know. What let us know what should be the top Hugh Grant film. Uh, as well and any ones that you think should be high up or low down do let us know but we'll see you there for um, our epic retrospective where we rank every single Hugh Grant film fifty to one. I'm so, so exciting. excited. Alright see you then guys. Night. Taking Hugh for granted is produced, edited and presented by Diggory Waite and Oscar Beardmore Gray. The producers of Taking Hugh for Granted would like to state that this podcast is in no way associated with the actor Hugh John Mungo Grant, nor does it endorse his views or represent him in any way. Instead, by creating this podcast, Oscar and Diggory hope to celebrate Hugh's illustrious career, reliving his old classics and shedding light on some of his hidden gems. Hugh, if you're listening, we hope you approve.